This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. What, what I want to talk about today is walking in two worlds. So there's the world of spiritual principle and what we know. And then there's this very human world where a lot of stuff happens, right? And, and I want to make a distinction between, so a couple of weeks ago, Reverend Jim talked about um, only praise, to focus on the positive. And, you know, we've got these purple bracelets, if you were there, to remind us to stop focusing on what's negative and complaining about it and focus on the positive. And that's such a great spiritual practice. And like anything in life, you can take it to an extreme where it's not a great spiritual practice anymore because now you're you've gotten so far that you're not honoring the human and so in walking in two worlds you remember the things that we've been taught the spiritual principle and we honor the humanity so in that song let it be we're talking about when times are really hard when difficult things come along when we can't see the light when when our hearts are broken and at times like that in the song mother mary comes to me what does that mean it it doesn't mean you have an apparition of the virgin mary it means the mother energy the nurturing spirit of the divine if you can tune into that and feel that, it's present for you. And we, in spiritual community, are called to be that to one another. So we don't let go of spiritual principle. We know the truth. Like, for example, we were just having a conversation this morning, Dan and Megan and I, about something that had happened in their family. And they were saying, you know, but we know things happen for a reason. And, you know, maybe they happen for a reason or maybe we just make a reason up for, to explain what happens because we can see the good beyond the experience that we're having. But principle is that good is all there is. There's nothing but good. Everything else is illusion. But when something happens to you, that is not usually the first thing you want to hear. And so, you know that phrase, oh, it's all good. You know, think about it. The last horrible thing that happened to you, if somebody had said, well, it's all good, how would you feel? You know, like, uh, <laughs> how many ways can I tell you I hate you right now? <laughs> you know, it just, it, that's, but it's not that you're not being positive. You continue to know in your mind that good is what the truth is. And good encompasses this situation where someone is hurting badly. In in the um, Bible, there's a whole thing of lament. 
I don't know if you, if that's not a really common word anymore. There's, there's actually a chapter in the Bible called Lamentations. But to lament means to just grieve. It's that, oh, where it just, it hurts so bad. And, and you might feel very angry. Like in the Psalms in the Old Testament, there's a whole bunch of Psalms where it's like, take my enemy and smite them. You know, they, I mean, that's in the Bible. Okay? In other words, it's okay that we feel angry. Our anger helps us sometimes as, as we are in touch with our anger and not pretending that it's not there. We get clearer with what is it that we want in life? What are our desires? It's okay to be angry. That's part of our human, human experience. And it's okay to mourn. It's an appropriate response. When someone dies or we're really worried about something, those feelings are human. And being human is part of the wholeness, the holy good. Sometimes, you know, I've heard over the years there have been people that talk about ascension and how, as humanity, we are ascending to another plane. And we're not going to be part of this anymore. And I've always thought, like, well, why did you come? I mean, why did you come here if it wasn't to experience what this plane has to offer? And yes, as we're here in, in the muck, part of why we're here is to raise our eyes to a higher plane and realize, oh yeah, there's more to it. But we're always going to be walking in two worlds. We're always going to be walking in the human world as well as in this higher world. The thing that's optional is we may not be aware of this higher world. We're always aware of this world. But if we get to the point where we're only aware of this and we're not aware of this, things are going to happen that bring this back into our awareness. You know, like if, if I'm not aware of my surroundings at all, I'll go walking out. And <laughs> um, Eric was talking about his family. He's had a tremendous amount of relatives who have broken bones suddenly from falling or walking into walls or something. And we were kidding about we have to have the blind guy's guide to how do you walk without walking into things. <laughs> because you have to be paying attention to your environment. So he has learned to use all his senses because of the one that's missing. But sometimes we're, we're not using our senses. At least learn how to bounce. At least learn how to bounce. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have bouncy houses for that. You can practice. <laughs> um, I, I want to read this statement of faith by Myrtle Fillmore. She, for those of you who don't know, Myrtle is one of the founding members of um, Unity. She and her husband founded it. And she wrote, I do not believe in evil. I believe in good. I do not believe in sin. 
I believe in truth. I do not believe in want. I believe in abundance. I do not believe in death. I believe in life. I do not believe in ignorance. I believe in intelligence. There are no discords in my being. Being is peace. My faith, understanding, and love are becoming one. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. This was dated 1897. So that's principle. That comes straight out of Emma Curtis Hopkins, who she studied with. And Emma was somebody who was so focused on the truth that good is all there is and everything else is illusion that she was able to do amazing things. There was a story about, um, she lived in Chicago for at least part of her life and she, there were the Haymarket riots, some of you may remember from history that were horrendous riots that were going on and it was a time of great um, dissension that was going on. This is just post-Civil War. And she was sitting in the park and there was just a lot of energy. There was a riot that was going to happen, not the Haymarket riot, but um, it was a period of rioting. And she sat at the park and she just stayed focused on knowing that it's all good. That's all there is, is good. There is no, I have no belief in evil, I have no belief in disharmony, I only know good and harmony. And she sat there, and the people just went home, and the riot didn't happen, which was extraordinary when you think about it. So Ruth Miller, who I've been studying the works of Emma Curtis Hopkins with for the last year, she was telling me about when she went to Egypt on a trip with Lawrence and some other folks, there was a moment when there was some uproar that was beginning and people were showing up on the docks and there was gonna be trouble. And she, other people that were on the trip were like, ooh, this, this is starting to feel unsafe. And Ruth, knowing her Emma Curtis Hopkins stories, just sat on the, sh on the ship or wherever it was they, they were. She just sat there in peace, knowing that good is the only reality. And as she knew that, in a short while, everything just dissolved. And the people that might have been in a in a big argument before, they're patting each other on the back and going off for a drink or whatever they're doing, and it, it just dis dissolved. So there is great power in knowing principle, holding it, and acting upon it. And when you are in communication with another person, you don't get to use principle as a sledgehammer. Instead, you use the presence of the mother, that nurturing energy that comes and is present and doesn't require anything of the person. 
On Friday, I had a very challenging day. I dropped Jeff, my husband, off at um, the surgery, at St. Charles for surgery that was planned, and he was going to be there for quite a few hours, and I was going to head over to Sisters to watch my grandson Nolan in his very first play, so I was excited about that, and I came out, and I got a text from my younger daughter saying she was on the way to the ER. She, she gave birth a month ago, and there were some complications with the birth, and um, anyway, she was going to the ER, and, you know, it seemed she had an infection, maybe cramping, fever, and I didn't really know what was wrong with her, but I thought, all right, well, I'm at St. Charles anyway. I'll see you when you get here. <laughs> so um, so I waited for her, and I was there with her for a few hours, and then I had to go in order to be at the play and came back, and she was, she was there for a very long time that day, not getting seen. You know how it is in the ER if you're not you know, gushing from the artery. You can sit there for four or five hours, which is what happened to her. And, um, you know, I was concerned about her and, and then Jeff's in surgery and I'm hoping that that'll all go well. And, and then I go drive down to Sisters and come back with my grandson who, you know, can't bear not to have his day with me. And, you know, and I'm just, and he's looking at me over dinner saying, something's different. It's not the same. And I said, yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and, you know, he was, the pillow fight at the end of the day was when, okay, now it's better. You know, now I was acting like the grandmother he expected. But, but that, that day was a really hard day for me. And what I didn't need at that point was somebody to tell me, oh, it'll all be fine. You know, I, I knew that. I knew that probably it would all be fine, but, but I really just needed somebody who understood what it felt like to be in that space. But I also didn't need somebody who would say, oh my God, that's so awful. I, I didn't need somebody to be miserable with me because I was doing that fine on my own. <laughs> you know, I needed, I needed somebody who could be there with me and help me up gently. And I think that's what we can do with each other in spiritual community. We don't, we don't want to, like, think about if somebody's in the bottom of the well, they've fallen down in the well, and they can't get out on their own. What you you want is somebody who can be present with you, but you don't want somebody to jump in the well and sit down beside you, and now two of you are stuck in the well. You know, maybe if you figured out some kind of a rope ladder and you, you attached it and you climbed down the rope ladder and you sat beside them in their misery until they were ready to get up and climb up the rope ladder. You know, it's, it's sort of like that. That's what we're doing. When... In the Gospels, there's a story about Jesus had a friend named Lazarus, and they were, they were good friends. And the story goes that Lazarus died. The word came to him that he was dying, and he didn't jump right up and go, but he, he went there. And when he went there, his friend was dead. And it says, and he wept. So even though he was somebody who really at that point was an ascended master. He was, 
he was so connected to the all that he had the ability to know, even in that moment, to know that life is not, it's so much bigger than these bodies. He had the ability to heal him because he was so connected. But the first thing that he did was he wept. He wept for the loss of this friend in the way that he had known him. So no matter how enlightened you are, they talk about in the Buddhist tradition, they talk about bodhisattvas, those people who have they have reached a level of ascension and they continue to come back to walk through the world with humans, to be present with them. I had a client who, he works with people who are um, immigrants crossing over the border and he works in the legal system, and he sees a lot of atrocity there. And sometimes it's very, very difficult for him because he's gotten so entangled with their stories and, and the, the outrageous things that are done to these people. And we talked about being a bodhisattva and, and how he's called to walk through the world with them. And yes, he has some skills that can actually help them, but the bigger thing is his walk with them. But it's not helpful if he takes on the suffering himself. The point is to walk and shine his light. So that's really our task. It's to remember what is true in principle, that Good is all there is. We know that there are possibilities that are unlimited that we can't think of when we get in that place. And if we know that, we become beacons of hope. But we don't do it through platitudes. We do it through presence. And as the presence of hope, as the presence of love. We can be with someone in their suffering without taking it on, but without running from it either. We become a real bridge. We're a bridge from the world where we feel so much pain to the world where there is infinite possibility. But we have to walk over the bridge. We have to take their hands. We have to be willing to have our feet firmly in this world to be able to feel what they are feeling without taking it as our own. When I sit with other people, Sometimes I cry before they do. 
especially this is true with men because men haven't, they haven't been given permission to cry from the time they're little boys when, when crying was a natural thing, like it is for all children, a lot of men have been told that that's not something boys do and they're shamed for it. And so I, can, I have often sat with a man who has got so much sorrow in them as they're telling the story, I can feel it. And I just start crying because I don't have an inhibition about crying anymore. I used to, that's why I got into therapy. But, <laughs> um, but, but now it feels just easy for me to let that flow. I think tears are sacred. And, and in the presence of someone who is able to feel sorrow and express it, often these men then find their tears and are able to cry. And it's so healing for them because it hurts to hold sorrow inside. I know I was really practiced at it. There's a thing you do with your face and if you scrunch it just so, you can keep the tears in. Have you ever tried that? It, it works temporarily, <laughs> but it's not healthy. So don't, don't practice it if you don't already know what I'm talking about. We really are called here as spiritual beings who are walking on the earth for a reason. This earth is a sacred place. It's the home of our animals, selves. It's a place where we learn to honor who we are and remember who we also are. Two worlds, both beautiful worlds, both valuable. so interesting when we hear a baby cry like that. You know, people probably have different reactions. Some people are like, take that baby out of here. Maybe, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, you know, they just want to hold the baby and make everything all better for the baby. And in a way, we're all babies. We're all babies in bigger bodies. We have pains and we have needs that maybe we're just not as in touch with as the baby is. The baby hasn't learned to filter and pretend. The baby just feels and expresses. And, you know, there's probably some advantages to not acting like a baby all the time. <laughs> but that baby part of us is also valuable. It's valuable. And we want, we want to honor the precious baby in each other. And as we do that, we create this beautiful bridge 
where people who are feeling stuck in one world right now can get over to the other side and remember, oh yeah, this isn't all that there is. There is more. And that is good. <laughs>